welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown Podcast, where information is king, drinking is mandatory, and the beer is always flowing. Now, let's check in with your hosts and see what's on draft in this session. Welcome to episode number 15 of the Craft Beer Showdown. Brian here, and I took this episode on the road all the way from Pittsburgh to Savannah, Georgia, to talk to the co-founders of Southbound Brewing in Savannah, Georgia. Southbound Brewing is actually the first production brewery in the city, and as such, they have run into more than their share of problems getting their brewery up and running. I took a little bit of time with Smith Matthews, the brewmaster, and Carly Wiggins, the marketing director, to talk about what it was like to found that brewery, to uh, work in the industry and other breweries such as Sweetwater Brewing, and, you know, really get to live their dream. Uh, Southbound is a brand new brewery. They're just exploding in the the Savannah, Georgia, uh, Charleston, Hilton Head area. So it was great that, you know, they could take the time to sit and talk with me, show me around their brand new brewery, and even show me their big-ass fan. So... Without any more introduction, here is episode number 15 with Smith and Carly. If you dig this episode, uh, you know, give me a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. It helps get more listeners, helps more people find the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you know, send them over to the website, craftbeeracademy.com slash session 1515. Okay. Hi, everybody. This is Brian from craftbeeracademy.com. Actually, on take number two of this because Mike decided not to record number one. Um, here at Southbound Brewing with Smith and Carly, uh, two of the founders. Um, do you want to introduce yourselves, I guess, again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm Smith Matthews, the brewmaster, and um, it's Carly Wiggins, uh, marketing director, front of house. And, um, you know, Smith and Carly are literally two thirds of the entire staff here. And that's not to say that it's a small brewery by any means, uh, but the level of uh, automation slash people working five different jobs at once kind of really makes that happen. Um, so, uh, would you mind just kind of real quick telling us how you know how the brewery started, what what got you on to be in brewing as a whole? Right. Um, yeah. Well, I personally began um, you know my brewing with home brewing, pretty much like everybody else does, you know, and. Um, Started with home brewing and then uh, got a job at a brewery in college uh, in Atlanta. And Carly had actually already been working there. It's a Sweetwater Brewing Company, and she'd been working there for about a year, year or so. And told me how awesome it was to work there. And you know, so finally I got a job up there. And she was doing the tours and tastings, and I started working in the back with uh, production and just pretty much manually stacking every single case that pumps out of there, like. 72 cases of pallets, 75 cases or 75 pallets a day. It was obviously pure hell. <laughs> um, but uh, that's pretty much how we got our start in this industry, you know, and um, and kind of uh, figured out how cool it was and, you know, that we wanted to just, you know, do our thing. And coincidentally enough, we ended up at another brewery together down in Charleston a few, a few years later. And, um, and then moved to Savannah and started up Southbound. Mm -hmm. And I had always known that 
you know, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do after college. Smith and I went to college together too. We grew up together also. Yeah. Um, but wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I'd been working at Sweetwater and for about four years and um, just kept on there trying to figure out, you know, I knew I wanted to stay in the industry. And then I got the chance to move down to Charleston. And at that place, it was just pretty much the same as it is here. There's just three of us there too. Um, and so Smith was doing all the back of house. I was doing all the front of house. Um, and at that point, you know, he'd already been, had the idea in mind that he wanted to open a brewery and asked me to, to join in on that and to start planning and, and trying to figure out, you know, what exactly all needed to be done, um, looking for buildings and stuff. And it, it just decided to go ahead and make the jump and do it. So drove back and forth here between Charleston in Savannah for about a year probably before moving down here yep. and then moved down here <laughs> to try and close on the building and after all the environmental testing and everything was done on it which took forever <laughs> like eight months or something yeah. one hurdle after the other after the other yeah but it's done you know we're, we're making beer and we're selling beer and that's what it's all about so so before we uh, started recording uh, Carly and I actually talked a little bit about the some of the difficulties in being one of the well, actually, the first production brewery in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, other than the, you know, the, the simple government kind of, not well, simple to talk about, but right. the, the government kind of things. Are there anything <clears throat> else you, or, you know, you kind of ran into either locally or anything? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, some of the problems we ran into is is that uh, we are actually like the only production brewery in Georgia. And the nearest close or the closest one away is like 220, 30, 30 miles away. Oh, wow. You know, so um, so Savannah has, they have a, a brew pub currently and uh, they don't have a production only brewery. So when we went in there and started applying for our alcohol license and that sort of thing, they immediately kind of freaked out and were, were like, hey, wait, what are you doing? You're not a brew pub. You're not a restaurant. You're just making beer, you know, in a neighbor, in, near a neighborhood. And you know this sort of thing and so it took a lot of time like convincing them and a lot of legal dollars spent to essentially um, convince them that you know we weren't here to have a negative impact on the community and uh, that we were going to be doing a good thing and that sort of thing so finally we got through the local legal struggles of just getting an alcohol permit in general just to be able to be a functioning production brewery Mm -hmm. And then next is um, like by by law, all uh, all Georgia breweries are allowed to do tours and tastings and have people over the brewery and taste beer, go on a tour, see the facility, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. However, Savannah didn't, since we're the only ones here, didn't have anything in their ordinances allowing it or you know not allowing it. So by their mind, they say it's immediately not allowed. So we then had to you know I guess uh, beat that hurdle. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's only been a couple of weeks that's, we've finally gotten that passed. Exactly. It's only been a few weeks, and so now we can legally do tours and tastings here, which is huge. And it's just really the, you know, everybody told me when opening up a brewery, they are like, you know, your, your federal licensing is going to be the hardest. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that process took like, I don't know, maybe like two months, and it was actually pretty easy. There weren't many questions asked, and... You know, we got our approval and everything, and then uh, we got into the local licensing, and that, and that was by far the hardest, and it took like six months. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, I it, I would figure it'd be that way just because it seems like the federal government just sees it as more tax dollars, so 
Well, and they've they also just done get it excited. many times before. Yeah, like that too. hundred times before. Yeah, before. they do it all the time. So, yeah. and then uh, once we got our our uh, local licensing, then you have to actually go in and get your state licensing because okay. you have to have the local approval first, and then. Oh, um, wow. And that state licensing took like four days, so we were good. Yeah, the guy actually came by here and was really messing with us, and he comes by, and we're ready to brew beer. We got everything. He's like, guys, i got to tell you, it's going to be another two weeks before you know we get it. And we're just like, oh, my gosh, we're planning all this stuff right now. Huh. And yeah. then he's like, gotcha, and pulls it out and shows us. He's got it in his hand. He just went ahead and printed it off instead of waiting for him to ship it down to us from Atlanta. Huh. So he tricked us. I mean, I think we're both about to cry, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess going back a little bit before uh, before opening here, uh, I did see you know, on the website you graduated from Siebel. Yep. So where in the beer career did that fall in? So essentially my career path was kind of, you know, worked at Sweetwater, the brewery, while in college and finishing up at Georgia Tech. Graduated there and then immediately went to um, went to Siebel, where I studied uh, or got my international degree in brewing science and technology, and then came back and continued to work at Sweetwater as a brewer. And um, so I was initially packaging and then did some tours and tasting stuff, and then came back as a brewer and I was finally brewing there. And um, and I did that for like a year, year and a half or so, and then. Um, and then got hired on as a head brewer down at a new startup brewery in Charleston, and then that turned into, you know, spending a year or so there, a few years there, and then moved on to Savannah. So, and I actually met um, our other brewer, Alex. He was one of my Siebel classmates. Okay. So, so that's um, you know, Siebel is just such a brewing school is such a great thing, and I 100% recommend it. Oh, definitely. It's actually kind of surprising to see a brewery with two. Siebel graduates right. at it. Like, usually don't see that. Yeah, definitely not. Even if you see one. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Um, so that's, I would say that that's definitely a put it on the resume, or put it on the box of bottles kind of. Right. <laughs> yeah. Multiple Siebel graduates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, at least from tasting, you know, the beers we've had so far today, it's fairly evident that. Yeah, you know, well, kind of know what you're doing at least. Yeah, we'd like to think so. <laughs> so, what was the uh, what was the first beer that you made here? First beer that we brewed was our IPA, okay. and um, yeah, we brewed our IPA, and it it actually like, I mean, we were shocked with how efficient our our system was. We were actually brewing with the uh, the owner of the equipment manufacturer. He mm-hmm. came down, and brewed our first batch with us, and you know, I mean, we had this recipe formulated and everything, and and uh, it was just like super efficient. We like overshot all of these, or like our gravity and you know bitterness and all this kind of stuff. So, but the IPA actually turned out to be really, really, really good. And um, spot on the first time. Yeah, it was just fantastic. We actually haven't we haven't touched the recipe since. You know, so the first beer we ever sold and served was the Wit beer, the Belgian Wit. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Wits are obviously more or faster. They're faster at our turnaround time. You, know, you can make that in like two weeks where your IPA takes like four because of dry hopping. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a bigger beer. But um, yeah, the first beer we ever sold was the Wit, and the first beer we ever made was the IPA. So the, uh, well, the Wit, I loved it, by the way. That was Thanks. very, just really good, you know, style specific. Right, yeah. Um, so I guess um, 
recipe wise, you know, not to get into the exacts of it, but yeah, I don't. Um, <laughs> what um, do you, do you have like a, a set base malt you tend to use for a lot of your beers, mm-hmm. or is it kind of yeah, bounce we, around per recipe? We actually have a silo outside with um, you know, like I think like forty or fifty thousand pounds in it, and it's. Uh, makes our life easier so we don't have to throw a bag malt every single time for mm-hmm. our base malt. And we use that for our base malt, and it's just standard American, you know, two-row. Okay. Um, for our wit, I mean, stylistically, we, we probably should be using some Pilsner, a little bit lighter malt. But um, but uh, other than that, it's like, you know, 100% two-style. And we use that two-row for our base malt for um, all of our beers. So, okay. Yeah. Um, Hop-wise, it seems like, uh, at least with the IPA, I don't really get a real solid, strong East or West Coast style. Like, right. I, I do get a little bit of the citrus in it, but what what kind of hop profile are you aiming for with, with the IPA? I wanted a little bit, I wanted a more aggressive IPA than an East Coast IPA, you know, standard East Coast IPA, yeah. but I didn't, you know, I don't think that Savannah and really the Southeast are ready mm-hmm. for that West Coast style. Um IPA yet, but I personally love West Coast IPAs. I mean, yeah. the more hot, the better. Definitely. So I kind of like hit it in the middle. I want it to be a little bit more adventurous than your standard go-to, okay. you know, East Coast style IPA. But hot profile-wise, I mean, definitely citrus. All the hops we use, you know, have some sort of citrus character. We use, okay. you know, like some Amarillo, Citrus, Chinook, Centennial, Cascade, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. So Now, being a new brewery do you have any issues with your hop contracts or is it like how far out do you need to go luckily carly and i have experience in the industry you know so that we come we come into opening a brewery knowing these things Mm -hmm. so we i knew right away to go ahead and get hop contracts you know i mean we had hop contracts like a year and a half out oh that's great you know so i mean hops have not been a problem with us we've got hop contracts throughout 2014 and 15 so oh, that's great we've been able to yeah. really work out the kinks that new breweries have mm-hmm. already done before yeah. we opened <laughs> exactly. with another place you know because i mean that was kind of what it was down in charleston was, was doing it on our own pretty much so okay yeah yeah it seems like that's one of the biggest issues the new brewery has is just finding everything you yeah. know if you don't yeah. have a contact that can either get you in or right. show you the ropes of it it's that's the thing. I mean, if you're, you know, a lot of these folks are out there, to, especially today, that are opening breweries and have like zero professional brewing experience or, you know, know very much about the industry and that sort of thing. It's, you know, they get in and they have like this beautiful, you know, brand new brewery and then they can't find any hops, you know, or they yeah. can't find the malt that they want. Every time you yeah. Get, yeah, what you need. Exactly. So, um, so then, uh, Yeast-wise, do you have? Uh, I mean, I guess not. Kind of, kind of not counting the the wit, but do you have a kind of a house strain you tend to use, or is yep. it? Yeah, we um we have two ye- like house yeast essentially. We have our wit yeast, obviously, and uh, and then we have our um, American ale yeast. So it's just like a. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't I don't really care. It's American why yeast American ale too. Okay. You know? um, and our wit yeast is you know why yeast Belgian wit yeast. Yeah. Seems like a lot of people have been doing the the California and the American. So yeah. I I was kind of thinking just from tasting it that it was more the the California ale yeast, but yeah. Um, I find that um, I find that this yeast is actually really, I man, it's nice and it's pretty flocculent. 
you know, and it has, you know, um, really good attenuation and, you know, overall it's just a really well-balanced yeast and, mm-hmm. you know, so that's kind of why I went that way. Yeah, I mean, it seems, it really seems to be working, so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of, at least a couple of the new breweries I've seen tend to go with like four or five different yeast strains and a couple of different base malts and it just seems like that's a easy way to make things way too complicated exactly and yeah I you mean, get too complicated you spend too much money mm-hmm. yeast is very 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 expensive yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard someone say that they're going to dump the yeast every time and, and have a new do yeast. a fresh pitch we're like that is the craziest thing i've ever heard well, yeah. for, for attenuation that doesn't just doesn't even seem yeah like you're you're not getting you're not getting the strong yeast in there exactly so how many generations do you uh, we, we take our yeast, I mean, dep- obviously depending on like your flavor profiles and, and just constantly, um, constantly like sampling your beers and seeing how they're progressing. Mm-hmm. You know, that has some, you know, that definitely has a huge weight into, um, into our, you know, into our generation, um, allowance, if you will. But, uh, we typically kind of fade or phase out that strain probably about 12 to 15 generations in and oh, okay. order a fresh bitch. That's, I mean, that's still a pretty, that's a pretty long life for it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty long. Um, you know, I mean, as long as it's looking good under the microscope and it's getting, still getting good, you know, attenuation and it's tasting fine, then, then I'll just keep it moving. Yeah, it's less cost for you, so. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, awesome. Um... Now, being in the South, I did see a couple, uh, you know, a couple things in the brewery that seemed uh, warmer weather specific. Yeah, like um, the big ass fan. <laughs> yeah, like number one, the easily the biggest fan I've seen in my life, let alone in a brewery. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've been in. Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm from Pittsburgh, and I've been in a couple breweries there that get very uncomfortable on brew day in the summer. Oh yeah. And I can't imagine what your brewery gets like. On Man. a brew day in the summer in in the south, with you know humidity so strong that it's like you're swimming yeah, before you brew. That is totally true. I, was t- I told them earlier that we're that this was a mild summer and that it only hit over a hundred a few times. So yeah, <laughs> I mean you could easily burn the calories you get from drinking just by working in there. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm inappropriately sweaty at sometimes. You know, it's <laughs> it's. It gets really, really hot, especially when you get those like steam jackets starting to heat up and mm-hmm. and everything. It's, it puts it puts out a lot of heat. So we like one of my big things was I need a lot of fans. We put in like four evacuation fans, and uh, and then you know, and combined with that is the big ass fan. It's got like a it has a diameter of twenty feet. It's so the biggest one they make. Isn't it? It's the biggest one they make. Yeah. And just so everyone understands that that's not a you know we're not making fun of the fan. It the company is called Big Ass Fan. Yeah, it is big like ass. There, fan. There's a, a big ass on it. Definitely, there's a donkey as their. Uh, Fanny's their mascot. The donkey. Yeah, the yes. donkey is their mascot. <laughs> but yeah, our um, our I think I think it was our civil or mechanical engineer walked in here and it was his first time on site and we had already hung the fan. He knew a fan was going in, but he walks in and sees that fan. He's like, that thing is way oversized for this building. It's like you're gonna tear this building apart. I was like, Nah, man, it'll be cool. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I heard there might have been some fear the first time it turned on, though. Yes, <laughs> for sure. If that thing you're comes right. down, it's taking people's heads off. <laughs> you're backed up against the walls. Like, is this gonna work? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then to see how fast it can go, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, water-wise, I've been uh, reading about and talking to some uh, breweries that kind of started solely from home brewing, uh-huh. home brewers. It seems like they tend to really focus on water recipes and really closely pay attention to water chemistry. Yeah, to their water chemistry. Is that is that something you do a lot, or is it the water better here? Yeah, no, we. Um, I mean, water chemistry is definitely a, a big part in brewing. You know, I mean, I think that. Personally, I think that some home brewers are too focused on matching like city water profiles and not like, you know, not just adjusting their water to, um, you know, fit best for that style of beer that they're brewing at the time. Mm -hmm. But we, we, um, you know, have our water lab analyzed every, you know, every quarter or so. Okay. You know, and I actually pulled water from here when we were still under a contract for, uh, purchasing the building just to know what kind of water we were looking mm-hmm. at, and I also have um, you know a set of really high, you know, um, high-end carbon filters and that sort of thing. So I mean, Savannah water is residually is pretty hard. It's pretty hard, but um, you know you can brew with you can brew with any any water. It's just how you treat it and mm-hmm. balance it out. You know, it just, and it also depends on what on what um, style of beer that you're making. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. You think your water's hard here? You should see Pittsburgh's. Really? I mean, it's <laughs> it, it almost comes out as like stones. Oh <laughs> man. You know, we actually uh, are on vacation here, and at our hotel uh, we really talked about how soft we thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pitts, Pittsburgh tends to get. I mean, yeah. They're, it's a very Super very miner, very Sorry. mineral rich area. We'll say. Yeah. Um, I noticed uh, in our talking before we started recording that the uh, the extra platform you built for the brewing equipment mm-hmm. uh, and being from Pittsburgh, I thought solely that that was done for your drainage, okay. and uh, I guess that it's done for the ground to make sure it's mm-hmm. it's stable. And I said exactly. we we don't have that in Pittsburgh. It's basically we're clay and stone, so oh, nice. it you don't have to worry about the ground being stable, right? But uh, very sandy here. Yeah, it's yes. very sandy. It's mm-hmm. it's actually, I forgot what the term is, but it's like constantly moving here. The the ground oh, is really? so it's um, and there's constant like underground water like oh, okay. moving around underground. So um, I mean, I think we're only four or total with our dock height and everything. We're like ten feet from sea level. So, oh really? Um, oh wow! We're yeah. super close to the water. Yeah. I mean, the end of this road here is the Savannah River. Mm-hmm. So the, that's the ports down there. Okay. Yeah. So that pad with the with, <clears throat> that we put all the equipment on was was very necessary, you know, in stabilizing it and being able to support it. Yeah, it's funny. I you know being <clears throat> from a, a little more north didn't even didn't even think about that as being a problem. Right. Yeah. Um, Coastal city. Yeah, uh, equipment-wise, I, I noticed that you um, got some of the better-looking equipment I've seen in a long time. Uh, from was it from Toronto? Uh, Newlands, actually, out of Vancouver. Vancouver, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks amazing. Uh, yeah. Touchscreen automated. That's yep. seems like it's really the way to go. Definitely is. I mean, I've brewed on. Uh, you know, plenty of manual systems, and I actually was I was brewing at Sweetwater when they were implementing some uh, some PLC automation. And by the time I left there, the brew house was almost fully automated. Okay. So I was there at the beginning, and then there at the end. You know, and running up and down stairs, and like you know, tweaking valve manual valves, and just mm-hmm. like 
constantly like dealing with that stuff. It's um to me, I I saw spending the money up front for automation will pay itself off in one efficiency, two consistency, three monetarily. So you can actually have a mm-hmm. one you can make it a one man show. So one guy can actually brew and seller at the same time. He doesn't have to worry about okay. anything messing up. So yeah, it really seems like you know another problem with a lot of new breweries is inconsistency. Yeah. They put out one or two great batches and then sign a ton of contracts. Right. And then can never put that out again because of the speed they have to brew it at. Right, exactly. Um, so uh, that's, it seems like it's pretty impressive. Yeah, thanks, man. It's, um, I mean, that was a huge deal for me and also really like toys. Uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> and we went ahead and went with the four vessel. Just because of the fact of, of not knowing, you know, how fast we're going to expand and mm-hmm. helping the guys out being more efficient with our batches back to back now. Because mm-hmm. it's a four vessel, 30 barrel brewing system. Okay. And the fermentation tanks are 60 barrel tanks. And so, again, it only takes the guys, what, 12 hours yeah. to brew? Double like, batch. Double batch. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, okay. And how many, uh, how many batches do you brew a week on average? Um, well, it depends on the week. It's... Um, some yeah, I mean some most of, I mean, we rarely go a week without brewing. I feel like now, um, so we're at least doing like one or two, filling one or two tanks a week. Okay, you know, we're on target to do fifteen hundred barrels of beer a year for the state of Georgia, but the places that we're already distributing, and we haven't hit Atlanta or Athens yet, and we're about to expand to parts of South Carolina next month. So. I don't know how many. I mean, maybe two thousand barrels this yeah, year. Maybe so. So. So you like living here, then? That's what you're saying. Right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, seven days a week, pretty much. Yeah. You know, it's festival season right now too, so we're traveling a lot on the weekends to go to beer festivals. But yeah, that's a lot of fun. So. Yeah, festival season can hurt any brewer. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I, we were talking about festivals uh, a little while ago, and I was saying that. You know, if you ever get up to the Pittsburgh area over a festival season, we do roughly one to two a weekend. Well, so do you know it's our our brewers tend to get a little crazy with uh, they actually have to turn down a lot of festivals where yeah. they they get like I said easily probably two requests a weekend for hey we want your beer here yeah and it can just get a little it can get a Hecting. little insane yeah for sure. Yeah, there's just the one here, the Savannah Craft Brew Festival, and I think that Savannah desperately needs one or two more, you know, at least. Now that it's kind of becoming a little bit more of a beer city, with mm-hmm. hopefully other, the other breweries going to be opening up soon, and there's no reason why we shouldn't have all kinds of stuff going on around here. Yeah, exactly. so. Oh yeah, I mean, all it takes is a, all all it takes is the people that want, mm-hmm. you know. And... I mean, they sold more tickets to that beer festival this year than they have in the past two years combined. So oh, wow. I mean, it's really it's really growing and people really enjoyed it. And so there's again, you know, I mean, why not have another one? And that one's across the bridge, so why not have another one over here? And like I said earlier, we were oh, talking yeah. to the Riverfront Association about shutting down River Street and doing something over there. Um, I guess their other big thing that they consider to be almost festival, like a St. Patrick's Day here, mm-hmm. but you're not really going to find a bunch of craft beer. Yeah. People are looking for like Green Bud Light. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can maybe have the the anti St. Patrick's Day festival. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think that especially with with you guys kind of pioneering the production brewery here, that you get one or two more, and it's that's really all it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, we're going to try to head off some festivals ourselves too, I think, or work with um, you know some third-party vendors and see if we can get some festivals in action for sure. Um, now, one of the kind of weird law, you know, laws that we had talked about earlier was your um, your inability to do growlers from here. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. terrible. Georgia. Yeah, that's that's just that is an awful law that I I can't imagine why they would not allow that. Well, it just became legal in the state of Georgia about two years ago for growler stores themselves to open, mm-hmm. um, and then it really exploded in Atlanta. Um, in Athens, but you know, the first growler store in Savannah just came here like two and a half, three months ago. That's it. Jeez. Um, That's just, that's sad that people don't want fresher beer more. Well, you know, and again, this was another situation where the city just didn't quite know what to do with it. They didn't Mm -hmm. understand and you know, you can do samplings and all that and it blew their mind and they're still struggling to kind of catch up and to write a law right now, but the growler store kind of took a different approach that we did where we were like please adopt this and had to fight for it and they're like well we're just going to do it you know mm-hmm. show us where we say this we can't which is a pretty smart thing to do um well it's so, easier to say that when you're a growler shop versus a brewery right a little, little less money involved yeah <laughs> very true yeah I, I think for brewery you took the best approach possible <laughs> yeah but they're doing really well over there now but in the state yeah you can't know you can't sell any alcohol um, out of a brewery, no, nothing by the pint, no, mm. no growler fills, no, uh, you can't come here and grab your keg or anything. So we have, you know, one sole client, which is pretty much the distributor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now, is there any plan in the near future to, uh, to maybe add a liquor license so that you can have a, a brew pub or is that something basically that. there? Yeah. Yeah. That breaks oh, really? through to your system here. So you can't have ownership in anything else, so we could never open a restaurant that sells beer, um, you know, just like the same way. I mean, and what it is in Georgia is that um, you have your three industry sects. You have your contract breweries, your production breweries, and then you have your um, brew pubs. Mm-hmm. But the brew pubs have to be 51% food sales, and then they can, they're can they capped at how much beer they can make. So they can only make, I think it's 5,000 barrels of beer a year, which just got raised. It was only 500 for a very long time. Wow. And they just added, moved it up to 5,000. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's something that will hit 5,000 barrels of beer a year in just a couple of years. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's our two or three, maybe four years. I don't know. Um, so we would never want to be capped at that. And even, like, I mean, the location of where we have to be right now, too, I mean, if you're inside the historic district you can you're still capped even if you're a production brewery huh. and that's a savannah thing so we're not capped at anything which is great mm-hmm. yeah i mean i really hope in the coming years that, that law changes for you that because it just seems like hand in hand with a craft brewery comes you know getting your your clients or not clients but getting your customers the you know the beer they want from the source Fresh as it possibly Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, that's just, it's sad that you have to fight that fight to basically give more tax dollars to the city and state. Well, exactly. it'll come, you know, it's just, I mean, everything in the South, I mean, even just craft beer in general, it hit the South last, you know, I mean, things move from the West Coast to the North down here, we're always the last spot, and so it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Um probably five maybe ten years um, yeah. <laughs> you know and we've been you know we put it in front of um, 
you know, the, the state government a couple times. This has been two years that the bill that we've um, tried to get adopted has been presented to them. And um, last year they sat on it. This year they sat on it. But they haven't said no yet. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's probably the best you can ask for from mm -hmm. a, a, you know, a state or local government. So we'll just keep going back, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Keep presenting it. Well, the, the last thing I wanted to, to ask you about was the... Uh, I noticed a couple of firkins sitting in the back. Yeah, and kind of touched on those. Um, re first, really glad to see that you're doing something with firkins because it's Good. one of the one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, what's kind of your uh, your your cask beer program? Like, what are you trying to do with it? Yeah, we're you know we're um, constantly making firkins and you know taking our base beers and you know kind of experimenting with different flavors and stuff like that for. Mm -hmm. You know, different accounts and Carly actually put together a program that she can talk about about yeah um, I mean we do them with our, with our beer dinners and with um, you know just kind of sporadically but then we also have one specific company company that we're doing something with right now it's like a series it's called get firkin crazy and um, so we're doing it's two firkins every month that we're doing um, and with that uh, you know we just kind of pick whatever two beers that we have mm -hmm. um, that are you know uncarbonated or whatever we can work with yeah. and then uh you know speak with the chefs or speak with whoever's over there about you know what do they have new menu items that we can pair mm -hmm. with um last time we did a spicy pepper ipa and then uh like a strawberry raspberry wit beer too mm -hmm. um and that was to go along with two of their new menu items that they have okay and so it's just something that's they're trying to establish themselves as more of a craft beer bar. Mm -hmm. And this is also what helps us when they have the two beers on tap that they already have. And then we're pairing those with those and saying, you know, this is what it was. This is where it went to. And it's a okay. lot of fun. And people just get excited when they see them. You know, mm -hmm. it's sitting on the counter oh, in yeah. cradle and you're, you know, hammer it in. A little bit of beer is probably going to hit the ceiling. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. what's that over there? You know, people, people love it. Um, and I know that can be kind of a pain. For the guys sometimes. Yeah, it's definitely, they're a pain to make <laughs> it's a labor all the of time. Love, right? They are constantly like a thorn in my side. I'm just kidding. But uh, we we really enjoy, uh, we enjoy making them and mostly enjoy tasting them, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, of course. But uh, it's been, it's definitely been fun and, you know, Savannah, like I said, it's just like it's such a new beer city. It's like mm -hmm. nobody's been doing these firkins, so. Yeah. That, you well, that's know, why I'm really happy to see that you have yeah. them. just... Yeah, so a lot of places have, didn't even know what they were. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> know what they the were. restaurants have never done anything like it before. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's been a, kind of a cool opportunity to uh, you know to be some of the like the leaders of the craft beer movement in Savannah and around the local area, and to be able to educate people about you know the industry itself and all kinds of you know how to make beer. I mean, one of the best things. I think is when we get to bring the restaurant or bar people over here to the brewery and walk them through the whole process and mm -hmm. have them taste the beers and line them up with the different malts and tell them about the hops that are in there. And they love it. And it's awesome because it's not just good for us, it's good for all the craft beer that they have because then they can really speak to what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's that's one of my favorite things to do is to, to bring people over here and show them around. Well, last thing to kind of end on then. Um, what... What is your favorite beer out of the you know, your lineup to make and your favorite to drink? Um, let's see. I think that my favorite 
I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a hard question. I mean, that's, it's like picking that's which like, child you like. Yeah, next. exactly. It's exactly. That's a great, great way to say it. Um, my favorite. I, I really hate making IPAs because they're such a pain, you know. Mm-hmm. But I love drinking them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just like constantly throwing hops, and then you have like so much loss and. Um, just to, due to like the troop pile and it's just like so many hops in there and, you know, it's just like, and it's just really hard to deal with and you run into problems like with packing your heat exchanger or something like that. But, uh, you know, they're the most rewarding beers to me, you know, mm-hmm. um, I really like experimenting with different flavors. Like we just did a pilot batch of, a an Imperial stout and, um, it's kind of like a, we took the American stout and made it imperial and then used Belgian yeast instead. So oh, it's, okay. and we're actually going to turn it into uh, we're having, a, I'm having a coffee tasting tomorrow. We're working with some local coffee roasters and um, tasting a Ethiopian uh, varietal coffee that has like some serious like fruity notes and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so we're kind of pairing the Belgian yeast with like the, mm-hmm. with the, um, the fruity coffee and, so it's going to be like an imperial Belgian-style-ish coffee oh, wow. stout. So it's, you know, I really, that's where I really enjoy brewing. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I really look forward to. Okay. You know, so. Just, Any coffee beer, I just, I love. Yeah. They're easily one of my favorites. Yeah. It's exciting to be able to work with a local coffee roaster, too. And yeah. Perk has, um, that's the name of the company, has been around for not a terribly long time. But people have really, really embraced them, and, and mm. you can go any almost anywhere in Savannah that you're going and you're drinking coffee. It's, it's probably going to be theirs, mm. um, and they've got some really great stuff. And so it's it's fun for us to be able to do this. And they came over here, and we had some beers and kind of just chit chatted. And it was like, what if we do this and that, and back and forth, and got really pumped about it. So he did that pilot batch, and now we're going to start figuring out what we're going to call it and start working on the art. So yeah. Well, I think that's about it. I've taken up more than enough of you know, your two's time. Yeah, seeing that fun, I've, yeah. I've literally taken up two-thirds of the brewery to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. No problem, um, man. Yeah, we enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, awesome beer. I'm glad I got to try all of it. Um, Thank you. Looking forward to coming out next year and trying it again. Yeah, definitely. Things looking forward to a little to... bit different back there. Yeah. Hopefully, it's going to be a, a lot tanks, different. Hopefully, more tanks. <laughs> yeah. In a packaging lot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right, my friend. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Wow, that was a pretty good episode. I'm really glad that I got a chance to sit with Smith and Carly and talk all about their new brewery and how they're growing and what their plans are for the future. I'm really expecting good things from them, and I can't wait to come down to Savannah again to visit them. Uh, Really sorry, Amanda, that you couldn't come down to uh, Georgia with me, but next episode, it's it's back to the team again. Um, Thanks, everyone, again for listening. If you really liked it, please leave me a review on iTunes, uh, drop me a line on Twitter or Facebook, and, you know, to check out the show notes and to see a little bit more about Southbound Brewing, check out craftbeeracademy.com slash session 15. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast. Make sure to check out craftbeeracademy.com for more information and to give feedback on today's show. Don't forget to watch the next episode live plus hangouts or youtube by going to craftbeeracademy.com slash live dash show